Wilson. What a win. Zach Wilson, along with the Jets defense, led the way in a miraculous 27-24 overtime victory over the Titans at MetLife Stadium Sunday. We break down the rookie QB's first career win and how gangrene pulled it off in what was a wild game. Former Jets defensive end and SNY pre- and post-game host Leger Doosable will join us. So take flight. It's time for a victory edition of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back to Gangs All Here, a New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown here alongside my co-host, Jets beat writer for the New York Post, Brian Costello. Follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. At Brian Cos, Leger Doosable, SNY's Jets pre and post game analyst, former Jet defensive lineman, is going to join us later in the show. But oh my goodness gracious, the Jets have won a football game, folks. What a game at MetLife Stadium Sunday 27 24, an overtime win. Randy Bullock misses a field goal, 49 yarder in OT to avoid this game ending what I thought would have been a tie, but it's so much to get into in this game. And I oddly cause felt good before the game because on my walk back from my coffee and picking up my chicken and waffle, bacon, chicken, waffle, crazy concoction. What? Uh, sandwich from comfort land in the story. Oh I brought that back. I was already feeling good about, you know, eating that for the first Your quarter. arteries weren't. Yeah, no, diabetes is on the way. But I felt good because as I walked back right outside my building, I saw a man in a shirt and the shirt was the shirt we talked about last week. All gas, no brakes. I was like, oh, wow, that's a smart guy. And I looked at him and I said, no, I think the Jets have a shot today. Well, was it was it Robert Sala? It wasn't. Okay. <laughs> but I felt good about it. I'm like, all right, maybe they win. And then you start off with a third and 21 and <laughs> a screen pass. And the Titans get a first down. And then I'm like, I don't feel good anymore. Because they win. Zach Wilson makes some remarkable throws. He improvised. He found Cole. He found Corey Davis. He found Jamison Crowder, who made his much-awaited debut. He averaged 14 yards of completion, two touchdowns. The only pick was because Corey Davis slipped. The defense made huge stops. They put pressure on Tannehill. They sacked the quarterback. The secondary played well. They were gassed in the end. They got help from a missed field goal. But big plays on third down, big stops, big sacks. And my God, this was a much-needed Jets win before they face the Falcons across the pond next week. And the atmosphere there seemed crazy. And it feels like the team that's the polar opposite of what we saw the first three weeks. And it's quite refreshing for a Jets fan. You know, you watch a game hoping they compete and maybe they win, but they competed and they won. And it feels like a whole different podcast for me today because I'm feeling good. I'm happy for you, Jake. Uh, I'd like to try that that waffle sandwich you're talking about. Well, I owe you dinner too, because the jets won. So dinner number one is on the house. There you go. Um, Yeah. So I was sitting there thinking, Jake, like even if they lost that game with the way they played, Jets fans would have to be happy, you know, because as we've talked about this, I don't think Jets fans have unrealistic expectations about this season, but they want to see them compete. They want to be in games in the fourth quarter, and that's what you got today. And then the bonus was you got to win. But a lot of good things to take away from it, Jake. You know, for me, I know Zach Wilson is going to be the headliner here, but for me, it starts with the defense. Uh, I just think this defense is so much better than I thought it was going to be, than anybody really thought it was going to be. These DBs are making plays. I mean, Bryce Hall, that was an incredible pass breakup. 
that he made where he didn't interfere. And I, you know, when you see that, you watch so much football. When you see a guy make a play like that, you automatically expect a flag because it's like, okay, he interfered. But like he didn't. When you watched it, he did amazing body control not to interfere. Quincy Williams, CJ Mosley, linebackers all over the field making tackles everywhere. Quinn Williams up front, JFM up front making sacks i mean they did a great job derrick henry got his i think you knew that was going to happen and i think that was kind of their game plan was just okay they want to run the ball they're going to run the ball a little bit they you know they hit some screen passes for gash them but the longest play of the game was 27 yards for the titans so nothing you know no explosive plays really i thought the defense just was amazing especially early in the game jake when the offense again was struggling Titans held the three field goals early night. That could have looked like a completely different game. And who knows how the Jets react if it's 21-0 instead of 9-0 after those those first three drives, and especially after the interception, they held them to the field goal. So, you know, hats off to Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, who are, you know, coordinating this defense, and hats off to those defensive players. And then obviously, yeah, Zach, you know, it's funny, Jake, two weeks ago, he throws four interceptions, Zach Wilson, and Robert Sala says, you know, it's okay to play boring football. That wasn't boring football Sunday, (laughs) you know, and I just think this is what this kid is. And like, you're going to have to live with some bad games. And he reminds me a little bit of like Brett Favre, Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions and there's just some days where you have to live with that. But then there's going to be other days where he throws more touchdowns and interceptions and you're going to be very happy. So, you know, I don't think he's going to give you a lot of boring football, Jake. We asked for improvisation. We asked for, you know, moving outside the pocket, running. He didn't do a lot of running when he did try to run. It was probably dumb in overtime where he probably should have just threw that away, made it fourth and goal from the one. Maybe the Jets go for it from the one, although who knows if they win, they don't get it. What if the Titans come down the field and score? Titans did come down the field, but they missed the field goal so that was the one time really he you know tried to run and it didn't work out but man that that gem to you know Keelan Cole was unreal the Corey Davis touchdown where he you know told him go deeper he motioned to him go deeper that's a veteran move a great decision a couple of passes to Crowder the touchdown pass to Crowder was a laser that he squeezed into a tight hole there to get that he showed a lot of poise and guys when you look uh, you know at the stats across the board if you looked off the box score you wouldn't really think the Jets won this game you know the Titans yeah. had the ball 10 more minutes they had almost double the first downs they had 65 more total yards in the Jets you know you look at all these stats per 177 to 66 rushing I mean you can't you got to throw them away because and the Jets had the the turnover the Jets defense when it mattered most like you said came up with big plays and that offsets what the box score might say and like you said the defense deserves a ton of credit because JFM is playing out of his mind he's gonna get paid one day Quincy you know Quinnen might be inspiring him you know they're maybe they're stepbrothers you know the bunk beds they're, they're living together they're having a good time they had three combined sacks but box score wise the Jets look like they didn't win but man they came up with big plays when it matters most and in crunch time they got the job done and while at times it felt like the Titans were going to win this game. It was nice to prevail. It was nice. And and it seemed like Sal, he said he didn't call a timeout because the fans were pumped. You might have needed that timeout if he made it, if you were going to try a last second or last 10 seconds there, a play. So that's why he didn't use the timeout. But man, they made big plays when it matters most. And give the fans credit too. You know, Brian Munguia was there. It was, you know, the fans were loud. They were into it. And the fans deserve credit for this one too. Yeah. And Jake, you know, when you talk about stats, there's one stat that I, I always look at I don't think fans look at enough total number of plays. You can usually tell the story of a game when you look at the total number of plays. In the last few weeks, the Jets have been really low. And then, so when you ask like LaFleur about things, he'd be like, well, we haven't had enough plays. You might hear a coach say that. Like, it's hard to get into a rhythm when you don't have enough plays. This game, the Titans had 93 plays, Jake. 
the Jets had 60. They ran 33 more plays than the Jets and lost. That's hard to do. <laughs> like, like that, like that was a Rex always loved the number of plays. Like he always he had a he actually had an equation where he added all these numbers together. I forget what exactly it was, but it started with the number of plays. So, you know, again, the defense holding them to field goals early, I thought was huge. I just thought that was a huge thing. And um, you know, the Jets just they kept coming back to Jake, which I thought, you know, is something they haven't done in recent years a lot of just like when they took the lead and the Titans came back, you know, and tied it and the Jets kept coming back and, and didn't give up, which sometimes they, they talk about that in losses. But today it was, you know, it was it was just great how they just kept kind of responding and counterpunching. And it felt like Corey Davis had more than four catches, but. All four of his catches were so monumental in this yeah. game. You know, he made that nice leaping grab. He had the touchdown grab. You know, he he made up for his transgressions early on where he dropped a few that he probably should have had. He slipped that caused the interception. So Corey Davis deserves a lot of credit for recovering from a rough start. And Jamison Crowder, too. I mean, having him on the field, I think, was huge uh, for Zach today and without Elijah Moore out there. Denzel Mims was out there basically as a decoy and as a blocker. Again, the, the saga continues 10 plays. <laughs> And it was pretty much a blocker and, you know, wasn't targeted once. So. Today, the question was, why was he active? We said, why was he inactive? And why was he active today if you weren't going to use him? But now, nah, I mean, this receiving core is pretty good, Jake. You know, they don't have that stud number one guy. But Corey Davis is a 1B, I would call him. You know, he he's he gets stuff done. And I thought, like you said, he had the, the play early where he probably should have caught it. The throw was behind him, should have caught it. Then he slips on the interception. And he's against his former team, right? He's against the team that took him number five overall in 2017 played four years there. He had his best season last year. And the Titans said, nah, we don't want you. You know, go ahead. You can leave. They didn't even offer him a contract. So I, I think I know how you would be, Jake, if you were against a former employer there. You'd be all emotional and wrapped up and going crazy. And he controlled his emotions and didn't, and even when he struggled early, he bounced back and you know i think what you're seeing from Corey davis is he's just a pro he just seems to just he screams pro to me which which is going to be good for this team and good for this locker room going forward oh yeah i mean in life alone you have haters out there when someone hates on them you want to shove it up their rear end and you know tell them who's boss that's kind of what Corey davis did and a great recovery and you know the jag as you called him just a guy keelan cole was not a jag on sunday oh of course he was what do you have (laughs) three catches or something like that what do you have the, the, the tip going, he had three three for 92 though so yeah. he had a big some big yeah, plays well, and that floater by zach my god i, I yeah. could watch that thing on loop that was a thing of beauty you want to go through how many guys in the nfl had three catches on sunday jake but did they have 92 yards well do they have zach wilson throwing the ball that i mean <laughs> how many yards after catch did he have uh probably not a lot i don't <laughs> think he had any but uh jag did well and you know they didn't even have to do much on the run and this is without again the tight end production they're getting really nothing ryan griffin did nothing croft you know he had a ball that was tipped that he could have caught although i don't know if he would have been in if he caught that that was his only mistake but you know, that was his only the only target on him so two uh one reception and five targets to tight ends or six because wesco i mean wesco's more of a fullback so five really and not much of a rush game but you know Michael Carter had some nice runs when they needed and then the offensive line kind of pushing him into the end zone on his touchdown so I think we could see more from the running game but you know they did have 25 rushes we said on the last show run the ball 25 to 30 times and they ended up with 25 rushes yeah the running game is still a concern Jake I mean they're just not getting a lot of space there running the ball I thought the offensive line did a really good job in pass protection you know, Zach was sacked once. Uh, I didn't look at the quarterback hits, which is a good sign if I'm not looking at the quarterback hits. 
that means he's probably not getting hit very much. They had him for one quarterback hit. So it was just that sack that he really got touched, which is great. Pass protection, obviously that was a huge issue, you know, the last few weeks. But the run game, they got to get that going, Jake. They're going to need that at some point. Uh, but I do think LaFleur did a good job not getting away from it today. Yeah, and you know, on the defensive side, C.J. Mosley is very much looking to try and win the comeback player of the year award. I mean, he was all over the place today. He's been all over the place all season, I think. And, you know, if we want to nitpick before we go to Leger Doosable, screen passes, my God. I mean, the third and 21, there were a couple <laughs> just long. If you eliminated screen passes from this game, the Jets would have won by like 20 guys. Yeah, it's funny. I asked Salah two weeks ago about screen passes because the Patriots – hit them with a lot of screen passes. Remember James White had a screen pass and and he said, hopefully you're gonna I'm gonna be answering that question for 20 years as a Jets coach. Cause he's like that, he's like, as long as we play defense here, teams are gonna run screen passes against us because that's the counter to the solid defense. So his whole thing is run to the ball when there's a screen pass and make the tackle and it's not going to be long games. And he's like, I'd rather have that than have to play, you know, guard against deep balls. And I'd rather just you know, I think he even said, you don't even have to play football. You're just playing football. You're just running and tackling. That's it. But, and the other thing, Jake, I would just nitpick on is this defense has to start forcing some turnovers. They haven't. They have, I think they have two fumbles. They have no interceptions. Uh, at some point, you know, they, they've got to start getting some takeaways. If they can start becoming a defense that takes the ball away, then they're a complete defense in my eyes. Yeah, and, you know, a little bit more discipline at times, too. And speaking of discipline, I mean, how about that delay of game? I guess the Titans didn't have a timeout, but that is a brutal delay of game that changes the course of the game because that's a 44-yard kick. That might go through there, but it turns out to be 49. So discipline was big. Another former Jets kicker, Jake. Do you remember Randy Bullock's stint with the Jets? Do you remember that? I I, kind of do. What year was that? I I think it was was brief, right? 2015, Nick Folk was injured and they brought him in for a few games yeah but i feel like it's just former kickers former jets kickers are all across the league you know so and and he's only playing jake because the titans starting kicker got injured and you know who the titans starting kicker is vedvik (laughs) sam ficken Oh my goodness! It all you get comes a kicker. You get a kicker. You get a Jets kicker. You get a Jets kicker. Everyone's getting a former Jet kicker. Where's Chase McLaughlin? He's he's, he's on the Browns. Somewhere. He's on the yeah. Browns. Yeah, yeah. He he kicked uh, yeah. to a victory. I'm waiting uh, for today. Chandler Catanzaro to come jogging out for a team one week, Jake. You know. Oh like, my goodness. Well, Vedvik, I don't think so. he hasn't. Is he in the XFL? Oh, uh, that's Vedvik. I think Vedvik's bad. Vedvik's not, Vedvik became a punter. That was what Vedvik oh. did. Yeah, he's a punter now, and I'm not sure. I think he's somewhere, but I'm not sure where. I don't. I think he's a practice. We didn't punter. shout out the Jets' own kicker, Matt Amendola, who had a nice day. Although that yeah. that winning kick, I really thought missed. Like it was one of the ugliest makes in the history of really? the NFL for a chippy. That like was wobbly sideways. I mean, it. I mean, uh, did you see it? It was ugly. I didn't notice that. I was probably had my head down writing at that point. I would have looked up if he missed, but yeah, I didn't notice. Better didn't off notice. you didn't look up. It was ugly, guys. I mean, are you really complaining about the quality of a game? No. Kick? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. What, it's are you, what are you, a freaking Chiefs fan now or something? That, like, you can complain about the quality of your wins? Yes, because I just booked my Super Bowl tickets after the game, if that double, I mean, If that double doinked in, Jake, you should have been like, yes, yes. I know. Well, we I mean, he... he probably should have threw it away and set up fourth and go although who knows you know it all seemed to so align, honestly, right? he would have gone with it gone for it on fourth down if he did that would have been interesting you know you had to i think I, I thought they got a little too too cute with that play call i would have just probably ran it i thought the titans at the end of the game with 16 seconds left i was thinking do you go for two here you know like me too yeah you know especially I mean, Rabel. yeah Rabel. i was thinking it and like it felt like the jets had some momentum 
and like Titans, as much as they couldn't do anything against the Jets defense, like long distance, they were pretty good short distance stuff. Like they had a lot of throws to running backs and things that were working. Could you do something there too? I I, I was saying it. I, I think he's going to go for two here. Uh, maybe I was just hoping it. The writer in me was hoping the game would be over quickly so I could write it quicker. But he, you know, he, he chose, chose overtime there. It was a writer's nightmare and a fan's delight on Sunday. <laughs> Kaz got back late, but the Jets fans got late from partying their asses off. What a game. What a win. The Jets are now 1-3. We'll preview the game against the Falcons on Thursday's show as they go across the pond. You're making your way to London. And really, with me and you co-hosting, this is the first real Jets win because the only what two wins they had last year were really losses because they lost Trevor Lawrence. But now it all comes back full circle because Zach Wilson wins his first game. Shout out to him. But Dude, Have we checked Have we checked Tankathon yet, Jake? Do we, check, <laughs> do we need a Tankathon update? They're trying. They're Traffic going going down for Jets fans on uh on this weekend's uh, really yeah, yeah. Well, up Jets are down to fourth Jake on Tankathon. Nice. All right, keep on keep on bringing us down. I'm going to fall out of the top ten. Put us at like twenty. How about that? That'd be a year for the ages. And you know, you go and we'll preview it. But you know, maybe they go on a little run here. You got the Falcons. We'll see with the Patriots and the Bengals. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but some positive signs, and hopefully they could take that to next week. And now the first win means a cause dinner. So someone someone tweeted tennessee barbecue i should get you and then someone said car mines do we either of those intrigue you uh, yeah yes I, you know look at me jake i'll eat anything so you know it's fine <laughs> all right well i do enjoy chicken parm very much so jake I, I have learned something recently though that could alter the trajectory of this podcast oh and our what food have you learned? our food discussions my doctor listens to the podcast oh, and boy. so now you know when we're talking about road restaurants we might have to talk about salad so Jake, you can oh. buy me a salad, okay? You can buy me a salad for dinner. Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, wink, yeah. <laughs> With Dr. Kaz. <laughs> yes. Damn. Doctor, I don't eat salad, so uh, can, can you ask him for a recommendation that's not salad, that's delicious? Yes. The great, that, uh, my great Dr. Orlandoni is not going to be happy if I'm talking about the, you know, the fried food that you're going to buy me or something. So. Dr. Orlandoni sounds like he'd enjoy chicken parm. That name is <laughs> <laughs> Orlandoni Parmigiana. Well, maybe if we invite him, we can go get that kind of stuff, Jake. Maybe that's all right. the way well, right. uh, He's a doctor, so he's making more than podcasters. So maybe he's buying for all of us. <laughs> you know, I'll eat healthy if Dr. Orlandoni's uh, buying for everyone. But uh, looking forward to that one and three. And coming up next to join us on Gangs All Here is a former Jets defensive lineman, SMY Jets pre and post game analyst, Leger Doosable. All right, joining us now is a former Jets defensive lineman that played for Gang Green from 2013 through 2015, spent 10 seasons in the NFL for the Vikings, Giants, Rams, Lions, Jaguars, Titans, Jets, Bills, and 49ers. He is now SNY's Jets pre- and post-game analyst and also a college football analyst for ESPN. Let's give a warm gangs all here. Welcome to the Pride of Tampa, UCF alum, number 78, Leger Doosable. Leger, it's Jake Brown, Brian Costello. Welcome to Gangs All Here. What's going on, man? Appreciate it, Jake. Man, I'm going to have to have you do my intro from now on. I like how that sounded. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll uh, I carry a megaphone around me wherever I go. I go to the grocery store and uh, do that for uh, people in aisle three. What a day today. You were on the post-game show. Uh, yeah. I mean, just break it down. I mean, what a win. MetLife was rocking, and you broke it down after. What was your overall thoughts of uh, a big jet win? TNT, we love drama. 
<laughs> is the best way to describe that win. Um, first and foremost, got to give a shout out to Robert Salah getting his first win as the Jets heads coach. Uh, you just love the fight from this team, right? The defense has been and seen so much adversity and no matter the situation, they show up and play. Now, they didn't always play the smartest football today. You know, Tennessee's second and third and long. You always got to be alerting for screen. And I want to say Tennessee probably had 100 receiving yards on screens alone, uh, or that, that score could have been a lot more lopsided if it wasn't for that. And then also, uh, I love the way that Zach Wilson, you know, bounced back and showed fortitude. Uh, missed a couple throws on third down, but, you know, it's a, a rookie quarterback. He's going to make those mistakes. But overall, uh, you know, what the fans were excited to see was him getting on the move, those off-platform throws. Now, you can't live and die by those because that's not how offenses run. But what really excited me was the couple of big throws that he made on third down. I think, to me, the most pivotal throw was on third and two, I believe, and, and Keenan Allen runs that corner route. And when the, he let the ball go, I thought it was sailing out of bounds, but it was a picture-perfect throw to Keenan Allen on the sideline. He, you know, toe-drag swags and stays in bounds and gets the catch, moves the chain, and honestly, there's not many quarterbacks in the league that can make that throw. And it shows you the arm talent and the confidence that this young kid has. So just kudos for him bouncing back what I believe what six interceptions the last two games before this one. So to have that 42 to bounce back and, and, and put a few drives together and lead your team to victory was big for him. Yeah, that, that throw sitting in the press box, it looked like it was as high as the press box. He put so much air Man, on it. When he threw it, I was like, no, it's 32. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it was some touch pass. I'm curious is a like watching this team in training camp i was sitting there going man i don't know about this defense like you know the cornerbacks are rookies or second year guys You're all of us cause we're all <laughs> saying the same thing <laughs> and, and like and then when lawson went down in green bay it was like you could feel it you could feel it that day like that was like a sledgehammer to the team because he had been so great in training camp what did we miss like what this defense this defense is good like they're playing really well what do we miss? Well, cause if he had been following me, I could have told you my guy JFM was a true dog. I mean, I've been saying it all off season. I liked this film from last year and before the draft when I really was breaking down the film for the Jets. Him and Foley were two guys I highlighted, and Bryce Huff was another guy that I felt wasn't getting enough love because these guys, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the Jets defense last year, but they played well in spurts. Like they were in some bad situations, kind of like they were this year. But you know, when you go two and fourteen, nobody really talks about. It. So I really love John Franklin Myers' versatility. The guy played big in like I did in the system and can kick inside on third down and they put him over a guard in this mismatch. Bryce Huff has an amazing get off and has gotten better week in and weekend out with his hands. Now today he made so a few bonehead plays on screen plays. You know, you can't rush inside. The tackle's inviting you inside for a reason. But I love this get off and how he attacked the quarterback on third down today. Um, I think he's only going to get better. And it just would have been great if Carl Lawson was here so we didn't have to depend on him as much this early in his career. Because, But the good thing is, the reps that he's getting is going to help him in the future. Like he's going to be a, a true dog. And I believe when Carl Lawson comes back, they'll be able to slide JF inside more. And then Lawson and Huff will be the outside guys. And then you're talking about a really dominant defensive line. I just love the young secondary too, right? That was the biggest question mark cause going into this, this season. And I could not believe that we weren't bringing in a veteran. And then the one young, young slash semi veteran that we had in blessed Austin, they released him. So I, like looking at what I saw in preseason, I saw the young guys go out there and fight and compete. But I'm like, you know, it's preseason. Um, you know, preseason is preseason. You take it with a grain of salt. But this kid, Michael Carter, man, he has the potential to be special. And I talked about this on the show today. Coming out 
from Duke. He played safety, he played some corner, he played some slot. So my biggest thing is where is he going to fit on this defense? I thought because we were thin at safety, they would kind of pencil him at, in at safety. But as far as this kid and the patience that he plays with in the slot, and a lot of people don't know this, slot is one of the hardest positions on the football field to play because there's so much space for the slot receiver to run. Like the slot fade is almost impossible to defend if the quarterback puts the ball where it needs to be. But Michael Carter, time and time again, has showed his patience and he shows the ability to attack the receiver's hands when he goes up for the football. And I think for a young guy, it's just amazing to see that growth from him only being a rookie and being able to have that patience and not panic when you're in a trail position to be able to go up and knock the ball away. And then I, I even like how Brandon Eccles has competed in the passing game and in the run game. You know, he does have to do a better job of getting his head around sometimes. But that kid goes out there and fighting. Bryce Hall had two pivotal PBUs today, man. And man coverage, it was cover three, which essentially becomes man coverage if that, you know, the receiver either goes post or go route. And him just being in the right position, not panicking again, right? That's what we see from these young corners. They don't panic with the balls in the air, and they support in the run game. I think that's what I've been most impressed about. They are the biggest corners, but they come down and hit you in the run game. I, I've seen Michael Carter come in the run game. I've seen Brandon Eckel get, get muddied up there in the run game. I've seen Madeline Geardry get up there in the run game. So they've really taken on this mantra, all gas, no break. And it's contagious, right? When you have a head coach that has that type of energy, you kind of feed off of that, knowing he's a defensive guy. And a lot of people don't know this, but Robert Sala has his personal handprint on that third down package. Like, that's his baby. And when I played in this defense in 2017, we were more zoned. But over the last couple of years, he's kind of changed on third down where he goes, man, and, you know, heats it up with some blitzes every now and then. So that's what I've been impressed been impressed about with this secondary like these young guys going out there and competing play in and play out and when you're a young guy you know you don't know any better all you know is competing right you just came from college so this is what you do and then we have to give some love to my guy cj Mosey. Like, i know a lot of jet fans were heckling this guy during the green and white scrimmage like can we get more than one half out of you and yeah he told everybody don't forget who i am like i am a true dog there's a reason why they just paid him the amount of money they paid him this is a perennial pro bowler, and it'll be robbery if he continues this ascension of the play that he's been playing if he doesn't go to the pro bowl this year because this guy's been lights out. They got some really good contributions from Quincy Williams today. Young player that's really starting to come along in this defense. He's in week four, so he's becoming more and more comfortable in this defense. But I just love how this defense, no matter what the situation is, they go out there, they compete, and, and they fight, and they play hard. Leger, just take our jobs. I mean, you just answered about ten things in one, in one question. My bad, there. man. I, I no. let you guys. No, I respect it. You, you you cut off the next six questions, so now I got a brainstorm <laughs> here, but a lot to unpack there. One, East Rutherford might be the new city of brotherly love. Quincy and Quinnen, how about that? Three yeah, sacks yeah. today for those. There's got to be something Ball. there with brothers motivating each other because Quincy was uh, you know a practice squad player that's playing his ass off, and I feel like that. And maybe you could speak to it being coached by Salah has played a part in some of these guys who are like, who are they? They're playing way above their level right now. Yeah, and that's what I talked about when you're playing for a guy like Robert Salah. It's infectious. That energy is infectious. And Quincy Williams is a guy that's a freakish athletic player who's not really had a chance. I was actually sat down and talked to Robert Salah this week, and he was telling me about him. He was like, dude, this guy, when, when you talk about speed, and I was like, really? Because maybe the first couple of weeks he just, you know, was getting integrated into the defense, didn't have the confidence that he had. But you saw that speed today. Like, anytime the running back caught the ball to the flat, he was beating him there. 
in the run game, knocking guys out, like taking like taking Derrick Henry on one-on-one. Like, that's what I was impressed about. This kid is a run-hit guy, and that's why Robert Sala loves him, because those are the type of guys that he loves. And a lot of people don't know this. Quincy Williams looks big on the field, but he's probably only like 225, 230 pounds. So he's he shows tremendous speed, sideline to sideline, and, and can do some things now. I just need him to table back some of that energy because he's so worried about knocking out the runner that he could have had three or four interceptions out there today. <laughs> they could have ended the game. But I love the energy. I don't want him to slow down. He's like a he's like a wild dog in the meat house, and I love how he gets after it. So him in that speed, it's just been amazing. And then Quentin Williams, I know he was getting some flack the first couple of weeks. I felt like in week two versus New England, he made a lot of good run stops. Um, wasn't as prevalent in the pass rush game, but he's kind of come along these last couple of weeks. I believe three and a half sacks now. He might be in the team lead. I know. I think JFM has what three, and he has three, three and a half. Yeah. So yeah. So I jumped through JFM. I talked to him earlier this week. I was like, "Did you guys make a bet? You know who who was going to lead the team in sacks this year?" He was like, "Well, when Carl was here, we knew that Carl was going to get a hundred sacks if he was healthy. <laughs> but since Carl Carl got hurt, like you know, me, Sheldon, and, and Q have been kind of talking trash to each other, and that's what you want. You want that camaraderie. You want those guys competing against each other to get to the quarterback. But a guy that has not gotten enough, enough love is Sheldon Rankins and the job that he's done. Like JFM and Quentin Williams, if they go to the Pro Bowl, the first ticket they need to buy is for Sheldon Rankins and his family to go for free. Because if you look at what he's done as far as his get off, getting into the backfield, and creating havoc. Like I think both of Quentin Williams' sacks today was because of Sheldon Rankins, literally. If you go back and look at the film, Tannehill is about to step up, but he can't because Sheldon Rankins is there. And he steps right into Q for the sack. If you look at week two versus New England, Sheldon Rankins get off the ball. JFM sees he's getting up the ball, getting up the field, and is like, well, I don't need to stay on the outside. I can just wrap around him. And he gets a sack fumble on Mac Jones. And then even today, they put him at defensive end in the run game to set the edge versus Derrick Henry. So he's done a lot of the dirty and grunt work and hasn't got the statistical love. But the defensive line knows what he means to that team. Yeah, on Quincy Williams and your point on him, I don't think he could have gone to a better place than here. Because if you think about it, like the guys that get cut and then they get claimed on waivers at the beginning of September, I always like that's a tough spot for them because they're coming in. Yeah, like these guys have been working since April together and then they come in in September, but he's living with Quinnen right now. So they go home, they watch film together and he's probably like, he can ask Quinnen a hundred questions that if you're a new guy on a team, you might be a little scared to ask questions and, and make it sound like you don't know what you're doing to a coach or teammates you don't know, but he's getting it with Quinnen. I think it's like just the perfect situation for him. And I'm curious what happens when Jared Davis comes back, how they work that all together. That's a good question because I asked that today because the way this kid is playing and like one of the old G's in the game used to tell me this, never let anybody get comfortable in your position. (laughs) There'll be a few question marks like Keelan Cole went for over 90 yards today. So what happens when Elijah Moore comes back? Like these are questions you have to ask because Keelan Moore was a guy that I was a lot I was probably more excited about getting than most Jet fans were because he wasn't like a crazy big signing. But I knew what he did in the slot in Jacksonville. Jacksonville, you know, struggled last year, but he was a consistent guy for them in the slot, a guy that can play on the outside, play in the slot, help you in the return game. So he finally got his chance this week and he showed up, you know, big when the Jets needed him. So it'll be interesting now that Crowder's back, now that Keelan Cole is coming along in the offense, Corey Davis, like and this is a good problem to have, right? What's the last time the Jets had a problem like this? Like, <laughs> can't even get on the field. Yeah. Which I still think they got to figure out a way to get this kid on the field. But Elijah Moore coming back, you're going to have four to five receivers that you can rotate throughout the game. It's a great problem to have. And I can't remember a Jets team 
being in this position on offense that I can ever remember, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Wilson. I mean, he. Uh, I started off the show saying Wilson in a good way uh, out of Castaway. He made just some electric throws. And you saw Leger that when he improvised, that's when everything worked best. It's been something that was missing the first three weeks. He was just standing in the pocket. Once he went outside the pocket and he aimed his arm, you know, pointing to Corey to go deeper, yeah, uh, he was magical. And I think we need to see a lot more of that, a lot more play actions. We saw a finally reverse. Me and Kaz knows I love a good reverse. I thought of you, Jake, as soon as I saw the reverse. I was like, oh, end around. We, saw, we finally saw a speed sweep at the end of the game, which I've been dying for them to do because that speed sweep is a, a cheap five, six yards every time. And then it also, when you run the zone behind that, it holds the safety and linebacker's eyes with a guy coming across the motion. So hopefully now that they'll, you know, they got positive yards on that, they'll go back to that and run that at least twice a game because you can steal a five, six yard carry right there cheaply. And talking about the Zach Wilson and the improvement. And LeFleur too, you know, LeFleur, <laughs> yeah. LeFleur Leger called a much better game this week than he's called all year. Well, this is the thing. People in Jet Nation have been on Mike LaFleur, and I stated this on SNY last week, I honestly think he hasn't done a terrible job in calling games. Like, it's about the execution. And we've seen it a couple of times. We saw the, on the interception from Zach Wilson, right? Corey Davis slips and falls. I had a coach who used to tell you, get you some shoes to work. Like, that's not on Zach Wilson. That's on execution. That's not on Mike LaFleur. Because if he doesn't fall, that's a pitch and catch. You know what I'm saying? And then also, if you look at last week, the first third down in the game, EJ Moore runs an out route and is, has three or four yards of separation. Zach Wilson skips the ball to him. Now, is that play call or is that execution? You know what I'm saying? The, the Braxton Berrios interception that hit his hand first number. Is that play call or that execution? Well, here, here's what I like. I liked Leger, though. Like, he, he did some hurry up today. I thought he did some things to get the offense, like, in a rhythm because they – it's hard to call plays when there's no rhythm, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but like today, like he did some things. Yeah, cause it's hard to go hurry up when you have no rhythm, though, right? Yeah. And he's done it in the past. When Jack makes two completions, then they'll keep going. And that's when you do hurry up. You don't do hurry up when you just make one completion. You make two completions, the offense gets going and starts gelling. Then you start going some tempo. So when you spring together some completions, then it's easier to go up tempo and catch defenses off guard. And that's what they did. But I do agree with you, Jake. Like, I wanted to see more bootlegs get Zach Wilson the movement but you just can't live off that off platform throws right because that's not real offense yeah you might get two or three of those in the day and the Jets happen to hit on both of the, the big off platform throws but look at last week uh you know Corey Davis drops a pass on the off platform throws and then your offense looks sputtered and dead so what I really love from Zach Wilson was the growth on him being able to trust the system right this is a timing offense when that back foot hits, you got to let the ball go. You got to trust that the receiver is running the right route. He's running it at the right yardage, and the receiver has to trust that the, the quarterback is going to put the ball where it needs to be when he's running that route. And I know a, pe- a lot of people don't like the word trust, but that's what the system is based off on. And that's why Zach Wilson was a perfect quarterback for the system because that's what he did at BYU. Like I saw plenty of throws in the pre-draft process of Zach Wilson throwing the ball before receivers got out of break. But he's a young quarterback, and it's going to take him time to get comfortable doing that at the NFL level and we saw glimpses of that progress today. It's funny the one the one interception Leger was probably exactly that. He hit his back foot. Oh, and Corey Davis, the ball. Even Corey Davis, and, Corey Davis would have ran for 10 more yards. Right, right. And Corey fell down. Yeah. Like, yeah, he threw it. I love, that he let the, I love that he let the ball go when he was supposed to let it go. Like that's trust. That's what you do in this offense. Like this is a timing offense. You have to trust that receiver is going to be where he needs to be and the receiver's got to trust the quarterback is going to let the ball go when he needs to let it go. 
How much did Salah, when you played for him, pump you up? I always talk about his clapping. I love his exuberance on the yeah. sideline. Was that apparent every week, and how much did that get you going as a defensive player? So the interesting thing about my guy, Robert Salah, when we when I played for him in 2017, we started off the year kind of rough. Like We were 0-9, but he never wavered, right? He still came in there with that energy. We put brain teasers in the meeting room to get us going in the morning before we went on the practice field. Till this day, still the only coach that I know that wore cleats to practice because when he was a defensive corner, he was chasing the ball down faster than the players were chasing the ball down. And when you have a coach that's working that hard to make sure that you're in the right spots to make plays, to make sure that he's coming with energy day in and day out, as a player, you have no choice but to do the same thing. Like, it's infectious and it rubs off on you. So the thing about Robert Sala, like, this is just not for Camber. Like, you see him running up and down the stadium stairs before the game. You see the energy on the sideline. Like, He's actually tempered it back some, I think, because he's a head coach. But that's just who he who he is. And I think that's why Jet Nation was so excited coming from Adam Gase, who was more of like a, you know, didn't have a lot of energy on the sideline, was kind of like, nah. Uh, Robert Sala was the total opposite, a guy that had plenty of energy and players want to come play for a guy like that. How did he compare Leger to Rex? You know, you played for both guys. So it, energy are like similar, very similar uh rex is probably a little bit more funnier <laughs> rex, rex, rex off cuff there's no coach like rex man like he's just so spontaneous and i mean the defensive philosophies are totally different like rex yeah. is a three four guy um would heat you up every single play a little more conservative on first second down then he heats you up on third but the energies are, are definitely similar i talked to rex recently Leger, right and mm. you know he's yeah. he's seen he's seen everyone kind of comparing Sala to him and saying, you know, this is the energy that Rex used to bring. And so he said, hey, Brian, he goes, let's stop with the comparisons to Sala. And he goes, look up the stats. Look up my defensive stats and his defensive stats. <laughs> Rex is always – Rex well, is but, but, but Sala, Sala's put up some good defensive yeah, stats the last couple he of years. He sure so. has, but I wasn't going to tell Rex that was yeah. you. I said, oh, yeah, all right, Rex, yeah. you're right, you're right. <laughs> Well, their snacks may have been, I mean, legit. I mean, he like Rex is probably having cheese doodles and uh, Sal is having a granola bar. Well, Sal I mean, it's much sure. different. Sal choked on some almonds a few weeks ago, Rex, during a press conference. I said, well, that's what you get for eating almonds. Uh, Leger, <laughs> oh, I, I, I had a technical question for you, defensive lineman-wise, with the screens. So Sal preaches, I mean, the all-gas thing for defensive linemen is really like, he wants them, there's no two-gap in, you're going up the field. So like when I heard that, I, I, I've asked him this a few times, it's like, okay, well, I'm not Bill Walsh, but I would call screens and draws to try to slow you down. And we've seen a lot of screens. What is like, you know, if you're a defensive lineman and you're going at 100 miles an hour at the quarterback and they're just going to dump it over your head, what are you supposed to do there? See, and that's and that's the remedy, right, for teams that are attacking defense. You run draws and screen at them to slow them down. But it's just about football IQ, Brian. Like You have to know on second and third and long, teams want to get back on track. So it's just an extension of the run game. They're going to want to screen at you for one to slow your pass rush down and two they're hoping they can get you up the field and they can get their offensive lineman in space so we always had snacks snacks was probably the, the screen killer the best screen killer i ever played because he was just so smart he could feel when the offensive linemen were leaving so you base it off of your nose your nose usually has to make that play and call it out right away because as a nose guard you're always getting beat up play in and play out so you know if the offensive line is kind of soft on you something's not right, right? It's, it's either a trick play or it's a screen play. So you just have to be smart. Like, don't take your aggression away, but just be smart. And if you're Bryce Huff, like, there's a reason the offensive tackle is inviting you inside. He's doing it to shorten the corner for the running back. 
and also get the, the offensive guard and center out. So you just have to know that. And, and I, I've been in that position and made, and made the wrong play and went inside, but you can't do it constantly. And then we talk about progression with this team. You just can't continue to make the same mistakes. And I think Quentin Williams kind of echoed that before this game this week. So they've gotten better in a lot of areas, but there's still a lot of work to do. But again, congrats to, to Robert Solomon and this young team because they fought their butts off, man. I, I think a tie would have been worse than a loss today. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I really thought that game was ending in a tie. Well, and, especially, uh, if you have, especially, especially if you have to write it. Yeah, you're writing it. Yeah, about it right after, right after the game, though. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> talking about it and writing about it after the game, we're not going to be easy if they tied. Everyone yeah. had fun today. Is what, is what the uh, what the opening line would be. <laughs> Leger, last one for you before we let you go. Is this like a polar 180? Is it like you know the last first few weeks it was just hard to watch? You're so down yeah. to the Jets. Is this a Titans are just a bad defense and the Jets got lucky, or is this a, a great you know springboard feeling to take into uh, London? next week i think you got to look at this as a whole jake like people tend to forget that zach wilson in this offense played the number one defense the number two defense i think the patriots are somewhere at six or seven like that number five five. well they played three top five like no not just rookie quarterback no quarterback has faced that in the first three weeks and i think people tend to forget that so like i knew it was going to take some time it was literally trial by fire for zach wilson the first three weeks of the season because we know what bill belichick does to rookie quarterbacks we know that denver has a great pass rush, has probably the best secondary in all of football and then you know carolina's playing with their hair on fire with that front four shaq thomas that linebacker and jeremy chen it's probably going to be a pro bowler this year. So I knew things would get better. And people were talking about this is a good, you know, get back week white for the for the offense because the t- Tennessee Titans have struggled on defense. So I knew they would have some success. And, you know, once you get a win like this, it can propel you into the next game, like you said, versus Atlanta. It's all about getting confidence. When you get wins and you start building that confidence, you feel like you can go out there and play against anybody. And I think this defense has proven that they can literally play with anybody right now in the NFL. And we knew what a rookie quarterback, I think JFM, I talked to him today, he was like, we know it's our job to go out there and stop them no matter where they put the football down. We know what it is when we have a rookie quarterback and what comes with that. So, we knew it was going to be a process. It was going to take a while, but we know that Zach is going to be a great quarterback in the near future. And I think we saw glimpses of that today. And now it's all about stringing it together and being consistent. Leger Doosable, 10-year NFL defensive lineman, former Jet. You can catch him on the SNY Jets pre- and post-game and coverage over there at SNY. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Leger Doosable. Leger, we'll check in with you again later on in the season. And uh, let's keep winning. It feels nice to win a game. Oh, it feels great when you get that dub, man. By any means necessary. You play to win the game. That'll say goodnight to episode 75, the Winston Hill edition of Gangs All Here, our Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Brian Mungia for helping me out in producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. You can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you get podcasts. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We are back on Thursday to preview the Jets matchup across the pond with the Bloody Falcons. Thanks for listening, folks, and let's go Jets.